This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. So the Gentiles would not be judged by the law. God did not give the Gentiles the law, but they knew right from wrong. The Jews would be judged. Gentiles would be judged. And they know what's right and wrong. We have to understand, God is a righteous judge. God would judge fairly. He knows whether you know or you don't know. He knows if it was in your heart. Again, we always worry about the man in the jungle. What about the man in the jungle? Nobody shared the gospel to him. (laughs) All of creation testifies he's left without excuse. In Jesus' day, the Jews considered themselves more righteous and therefore better than the Gentiles. Paul addressed this false notion in the book of Romans chapter 2. The Apostle Paul points out that the Jews did not obey the law's requirements, and so they stood as guilty as the Gentiles before the Lord. In today's message, Pastor Eddie teaches us that there is no partiality with God. He will judge all the nations and peoples of the world with a righteous judgment. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie with today's edition of Running the Race. Verse 10, but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. No partiality with God. There is no favoritism. We studied that when we looked at the book of Acts. Remember when Peter, uh, uh, you know, the Lord started bringing in the Gentiles, added to the body, and Peter, you know, was to go to Cornelius, a a Roman Gentile uh, soldier, and went out, and, and he said, how can I go to a Gentile? I can't fellowship with Gentiles. I can't even talk with Gentiles. I can't go into their homes. I can't even have bacon. But he did it anyway. And God showed him in a vision. And you see, you see that nice pork loin there? You see that nice cheeseburger there that comes down? Eat it. He said, no, God, no. Eat it. And the Lord said, don't call unclean what I have cleaned. There's no partiality with God. Again, the Jews were there to bring forth the Messiah. The Messiah couldn't have came from anyone, any nationality, any race, any tribe. But he had to come through somewhere. And they were to be an example of light. But there's no partiality. So now, let's go back to the courtroom, God's courtroom. Paul is almost finished up here uh, with the moralist, the good person, And uh, he's about to get to the people of the law, the Jews. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 20. God's judgment is inescapable for every man, every woman. In verse 11 of Revelation chapter 20, it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were open. Books is plural. And another book, that's singular, was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works, which is deeds, 
by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and the dead in Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then dead in Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Anyone not found written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. Now there's two books. When God judged every man, every man, all, verse 15 says, if anyone not found, he didn't say, okay, if any of the Gentiles are not found in the book of life. Now there's two books. There's books, plural, and then you have book, which is the book of life. The books, the reason why it's plural, everyone's going to stand before the throne. There are two people, those that accept the Lord Jesus Christ, put their faith and trust in the Lord, and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior, and there's going to be those that have rejected Christ, his salvation. So the books are plural. Why they're plural is because it's a book of everyone that have not accepted Christ, and all their sins and their deeds that have not been forgiven, they've been piling up into books. Where if you accepted Jesus Christ, right, sins have been washed away. All we need is your name. Isn't that great? Wouldn't you like that to take place when you go to the DMV? I need a license. What do I need to give you my whole history? <laughs> right? That'll be nice, right? If you go to DMV, here's my name, here's my face. That's good enough. But the book of life is just a singular book. It's those that have made it. Moses knew about this. He says, Lord, blot my name out of the book. What book was that? The book of life. And then you have the deeds, the works in the books. That's why we need the blood of the lamb. That's why we need Jesus Christ to wipe away the sins of the world. Wipe away your sins that you're no longer in category in his bookshelves in heaven that's always reached the sky, this long ladder, you know, that rolls back and try to find number book in the 2012 shelf and then book number... AAA3346, alphabetical order, you know, with your name and all your deeds, you want to be written in the book of life. But there will be judged. All will be judged. Every man, no partiality. There's not a book for Jews. There's not a book for Gentiles. When you go to heaven, there's not a corner for Baptists. Uh, You know, God is not even a Pentecostal. He's not Catholic. He's not a Methodist. He's not a Protestant. God is God. We divide. We make divisions. But we all will be judged. All will be judged. There is no partiality. The dead, small and great, Jew and Gentile will be judged. Verse 12. It says, For as many have sinned without law, will also perish without law. Who was without the law? The Gentiles. The Gentiles did not have the law. They were without the law. But they are not excused from God's judgment either. Well, we didn't have the law, the law, Lord. Well, you have a conscience. Remember, we dealt with the depraved Gentile. They're left without excuse. All the creation testify of his glory. You're left without excuse. The law of Moses would not be used against, uh, as a standard of judgment against those who did not have the law, but they too will perish. For as many have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And as many have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. Okay, you want the law? You want to live by the law? We're going to judge you by the law. 
You know, and that goes for Christians as well. You know right from wrong. The Jews will be judged by the law. You want to use the law? Great, you judge by the law. But guess what? You, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you know Scripture that with Scripture tells you what offends God and what's sin against God, you know, ungodliness and sin against fellow man, unrighteousness. So the Gentiles would not be judged by the law. God did not give the Gentiles the law, but they knew right from wrong. The Jews would be judged. Gentiles would be judged. And they know what's right or wrong. We have to understand, God is a righteous judge. And God would judge fairly. He knows whether you know or you don't know. He knows if it was in your heart. Again, we always worry about the man in the jungle. What about the man in the jungle? Nobody shared the gospel to him. <laughs> All of creation testify. He's left without excuse. So the depraved Gentiles without excuse. And so is the moralists. In verse 13, for not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. In other words, just listening to the word of God doesn't make you right with God. Yeah, you can put on a Christian radio, you can put on a Christian TV channel, and you can put on a, a CD or whatever, something in your iPod or on your phone, and just listen to a message. That doesn't make you right with God. It's what you do with that message. It's what you do. When you hear the law, you are now accountable for it because you know it. James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only. We got a lot of people that have a lot of gospel pumped into their brains and in their heart, but they're not practicing what they study. They're not practicing what they're listening. They're not living out what they hear. And that's the problem with the church today. There are a lot of churchgoers. And being a part of church or in a church, you know, it's just tradition. This is what we do. This is where I am. This is where I stay. But, you know, it's not about that. It's not what a church is for. Church is there for you come in, receive the word, and practice what you've learned from God's word. Be doers. Verse 14, for when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves. How? Who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them in the day when God will judge the secret of man by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Every person, every human being has an inner sense of know what's right and wrong, an inner judge, if you will, Within every man, the Bible calls it a conscience. We have this moral compass to know what's right and what's wrong. Whether you know the law or not, whether you're a scholar or not, whether you just became a Christian, or let's say you, you just, this is your second day serving the Lord. And, but you knew that before. There's things that you knew before you knew about the Lord, before you studied the scriptures, that you knew was wrong. You knew was wrong. It's called a conscience. And so this is the Gentiles did not have the law. They're living their lives as if they heard the law, Paul is saying here. How is that? Well, the Gentiles never heard the commandment, um, thou shall not kill. But everybody knows it's wrong to kill. They never heard thou shall not steal. 
But they know it's wrong to take what is not theirs. It's a conscience. We know that. And it's incredible. That's the way God created us. We know it's wrong. So God would judge the Gentile who does not have the law based on their conscience. They know what's right and what's wrong. God's a fair judge. He's a fair judge. Just like today in the criminal court system, if you knew what was right and was wrong, if you knew the law and you break the law knowing the law, and that's proof that you knew about the law, the punishment's severe. The penalty is severe. Same thing with law enforcement. You see, it happens everywhere. Law enforcement, a police officer commits a crime. He knew the law. He himself break the law that he was enforced. Guess what? It's greater. It's the same thing with the word. You knew what's right. You know what's wrong. But there's a conscience deep within that we have each and every one of us. In verse 15, it says, the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience. So what? They're left without excuse. The moralist, the good person, the guy that thinks he would not commit certain sins, he is just as is guilty. He is without excuse. So, Going back to the courtroom, the Apostle Paul just proved. He, the first wit- person he brought to the witness stand, the depraved Gentiles, without excuse. Now he just proved that the moralists, the moralizers, that they're left without excuse. And so Paul says, you are inexcusable, O man. O man. And so, as the moralist walks off the witness stand, Paul the Apostle now calls his ne- next witness. And who is that? People of the covenant. Those who had the oracles of God, those who had the laws of Moses, the Jews. He's bringing them up. Verse 17, he says, Indeed you are called a Jew, and rest on the law, and make your boast in God, and know his will, and approve the things that are excellent, being instructed of the law. So the Jews boast the fact, yeah, we have the law, we are God's people, we are God's chosen people, we have the laws of God, the laws of Moses, we know right from wrong because it came directly from God, we have the oracles of God. Verse 19, and are confident that you yourselves are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. And they will say, oh, yes. The Jews in the witness stand, oh, yes. We're convinced that, you know, we're, we're the light in the world. We're, we're, we're leading the Gentiles out of darkness. Okay, then, verse 21, Paul says, You therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who hard idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? In other words, Paul is saying, you're a Jew, you have these laws, but do you practice what you preach? These things they say not to do, they themselves are doing. Stealing, adultery. And they look down at the Gentiles when they do it themselves. And so when the Gentile witnessed these things, you look at the depraved Gentile, you see the moralist 
now they're looking at the Jews who have the laws and they break these very laws that we know in our conscience is wrong. But they got it from God when God's, the finger of God wrote the commandments on stone for Mo, to Moses and gave it to Moses. We know it was wrong in our conscience, but you had it directly from God. What does that do? Verse 24. For the name of God is blaspheming among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. You knew the law. And so what you say, it's because you had the law from God, you don't practice what you preach, and you got it from God. So we like, that's not a God. That's not a real God. What difference does it make if I was a Jew or a Gentile? And boy, we Christians are guilty of this one as well. How often? I mean, if I had a nickel for every time I've tried to witness to someone and they were turned off because of a Christian. Oh, my brother's a Christian, but he ain't no real Christian. Oh, my, my aunt Susie, oh, she's a Christian, but boy, she's worse than a sailor. And then they call them so Christians because we think we're family. We get to act, oh, it's family. I understand my sin. No, it's wrong. I show testimony to everyone because I'm representing Jesus Christ. Whether they're a believer in Jesus Christ, whether they're a stranger, or they're a close friend, or even my family, my home. I'm to set an example everywhere. I'm not to take off my armor or my Christian suit when I get home with my friends or with my family, the close ones. And it's sad that you do that. I hope that's not a pra- your practice. You to be a Christian to your family. So when people, yeah, you know, yeah, my cousin, yeah. Yeah, she's supposed to go to church. She goes to church every Sunday. She does? Yeah, she goes to church every Sunday. So she's not really a Christian. You should see what she says. You can see her Facebook page. Oh, forget about it. You know, it's sad. But that's exactly, we're not practicing what we preach. And then we feel it when it comes time to bring correction or share the love of Christ. It has, you know, people just don't want to hear about Jesus at all. In verse 25, he goes on to say, For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law, but if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Verse 26, therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirement of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? Verse 27, and will not the physical uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who, even with your written code and circumcision, as a trans, uh, transgressor of the law? You see, Paul is bringing out one of the very things that marks them as people of the covenant. What marks them as people of the covenant? The Lord told Abraham, listen, this is a covenant. We, circumcision. Every male. Every male Jew or every male of your descendants are to be circumcised. And even the Jews still practice this today. On the eighth day, they were to be circumcised a male child on the eighth day. On the eighth day. But Paul is bringing this circumcision. So listen, you think because you're circumcised, you're right, and you're, gonna, you're right with God. Meanwhile, you break all the commandments. How's that? Circumcision was an outward sign of dealing with the flesh. And it's just like with groups today in certain denominations, they feel that because, well, I've been baptized when I was a child. Oh, you've been baptized? Oh, you're going to heaven. Don't worry about it. I'll meet you at the bar. Well, let's go hang out, you know. Some people think because they take communion, oh, that, okay, I made peace with God. It's all rituals, it's all works. 
And to the Jews, it was circumcision. They thought because they were circumcised, that's it. I'm right with God. I cut the flesh. It's, I belong to him. People say, this is what, we depend, that what they depend on. Oh, I, I, I've, been, I've been baptized. Oh, I went to the Vatican. Oh, I spoke to the Pope. You know? And it's sad. He says in verse 28, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the latter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. You know, it's the outward thing. You know, when it comes to works, Rules and regulations always outward things. There's nothing in the heart. You could do all the works. You could do all the rituals. But the heart could be corrupt. And this is what Paul is saying. You know, you've been circumcised, but you don't practice what God has taught, you know, teaches you. You're not a Jew. Wait a minute. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. A Jew of Jews. Circumcised in eight day, like Paul says. <laughs> and Paul was using that to prove how, much, how Jewish he was. But you could make the same statement as Paul, but that's not going to get you to heaven. It's what's inside. And so Paul's saying, you are not a true Jew just because you were born a Jew or have Jewish parents or you went through some ceremony of circumcision. No, circumcision is of the heart. And what Paul is saying here, the circumcision of the heart is not anything, it's not something new. It's not a New Testament term. Actually, the principle was taught to us by Moses himself. Moses spoke about this circumcision of the heart. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 16, he says, Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. This is something that Moses even taught. The heart. It is the heart that God's concerned about. Not works, not rituals. Is the heart that needs to be served. The flesh of the heart needs to be cut away so that the Holy Spirit can do the work that it wants to do in your life to restore your life, to make you look and be more like Jesus so you could be a reflection of who Jesus is so the world can see that light. It's an inward expression. What is inside, not works, but is, is the inside, not what works on the outside. So, the, you know, the word Jew comes from the word Judah. Judah. And Judah means praise. It means praise. So a true Jew rejoices in Yeshua the Mashiach, meaning Jesus the Messiah. The true Jew has no confidence in his flesh. The true Jew is circumcised of the heart. The heart of the believer in Jesus Christ is a heart that loves God and loves his neighbor. Not to judge people. And here, Paul just be, just started with the people of the law. Pastor Eddie Pinero has been digging into the book of Romans with us here on Running the Race. We hope you've been encouraged by what you've heard today and that you're eager to learn more about Jesus. If you'd like to listen to more messages by Eddie, visit our website at runningtheraceradio.com. There you'll also find a link to our podcast where you can subscribe to receive up-to-date messages each time they're available. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, why not come be a part of our weekly worship service? We gather each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. 
and again on Wednesday at 7 p.m. for Bible study, worship, and getting to know each other better. Find more information at runningtheraceradio.com. Right now, Tracy has some information about how you can be a part of the ministry here at Running the Race. Radio programs like Running the Race are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced, and God has given us a vision to see Running the Race expand throughout the tri-state area. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting Running the Race? Log on to runningtheraceradio.com and simply click on the Give option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. There's much more to learn from the Book of Romans on the next edition of Running the Race.